This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, once again, we are live. Actually, we're not live this week. This is a pre-recorded segment of Hanging and Banging. We've got two very special guests tonight. Leland Scar, oh man, Leland Sklar and Ann Wilson of Heart. And uh, I'm telling you, this show is getting to be more and more about legends and icons each week. We already start with two that I'm going to bring to the screen right now, and that's Vinny Apice and Carmine Apice. Did I do that right, guys? Because last show, you changed it on me, Vinny. Yeah, I know. I um, I don't know. It's early in the morning, so no, you're both wrong. It's a PJ. No, stop it. <laughs> eighty. This is our eighty-first segment. It's all eighty. Was I struggled, and by about the seventy-fifth episode, I got the names right. I believe. Now, last show, you totally throw it. I'm going to call you like Carmine Stewart, and uh, I don't know, uh, freaking Vinny Osborne. I don't know what I'm going to say. Well, actually, we go on by our middle names. I'm Paul and Carmine's Charles. 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 That's, That's it. Just call me Chuck. <laughs> the mother chucker. Anyway, man, we got a very special, special <laughs> episode today. Uh, we say today because we are pre-recording this segment. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to start the show. Uh, Anne's going to pop in a little bit later, but we are going to start the show with uh, a guy that uh, – I am so excited. I know you guys are too, but you know, you talk about unsung heroes. I wouldn't say unsung because he is definitely revered in the industry, but he's a guy that you won't believe. Or I still can't believe or understand. I don't know if you guys really understand to what degree Leland has been a part of rock and roll history. This guy has appeared over 2,500 songs, 2,000 <laughs> albums. It's like, you can't even fathom. I mean, really. So let's bring him on. Leland Sklar, uh, basis to the stars, and he's a star himself. Eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I, I don't know. You oh, know what? Let me yeah. let me redo my intro because I think you just killed everything I just said. <laughs> uh, wow. 
I love Hello, it so much. We got, uh, we got, uh, we got out there, and, and here we have man, also Ann Wilson's with us. in the house. It's still good, man. I haven't talked to you in so long. I know, I know. You're looking fine. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Hi, Ann. Thank you for joining us today. Very yeah. excited. I know you got a lot of stuff going on, and really appreciate you joining us here on Hanging and Banging. And um, I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's really, really cool to see you again. You played my theater. We recorded. I'm, I'm in, in St. Charles, Illinois, outside of Chicago, the Arcada. We recorded a, <laughs> a, a TV show there. You did several concerts for us. And so excited that you're joining with us today, really. Um, so well, you're doing a lot of press. What's happening with you that you're doing so much press right now? Well, I have a new album coming out on April 29th. And uh, uh, it's called Fierce Bliss. And I'm just making everyone aware of it, that it's coming, basically. And what, awesome. what's the origins of Fierce Bliss? Is it a, a lot of new music, obviously, originals that you're doing? Yes, yeah. There are 11 yeah, songs on that, it. We heard that, uh, that Greed, is it Greed, the name of that song? The first single? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it sounds yeah. pretty cool. Who's playing on that? Thank you. Who's playing with you? On that's that? um, that's Tom Bukovac on guitar, uh, Gordon Moat, Tim Lauer on keyboards, Tony Lucido on bass, and uh, Sean T. Lane on drums. Great. Nice. Great. Is that a new band now for you? Is that going to be your band? Yeah, yeah, it oh, is. Cool. We Thank call you. them. Uh, we call them the Amazing Dogs, and they're they're basically um, <laughs> Nashville musicians, except the, the the drummer is from Seattle. He's like, like a young up and coming guy, and uh, oh, great. we just that all got together great. and uh, worked. Yeah, that's, you know, and on this show, people in. It's great to bring new people in. You know, absolutely. As well. Yeah, yeah. On this yeah, show, sure. we call it hanging and banging. We call it hanging and banging because that's what we do. We just hang out. We talk about different perspectives. It's not the whole, you know, hey, how'd you get your start in the business kind of thing? It's not like that mm -hmm. at all. We try to, you know, you, you've done that a couple million times. But there is one little thing that we go back back with that I, I, I saw a couple on a couple of occasions. And I'm trying to picture this whole thing. You as a little girl doing this thing called uh, uh, Sunday Pancakes and Opera with your dad. How did that, uh, what was that about? Well, my, my parents were both loved music, you know, their generation's music, music and of all kinds. And um, so on Sundays, we would generally listen to opera or classics or um, something wow. like uh, the Mikado or something like that. And just like have a big family midday breakfast. And it just became a tradition, you know, it was great. Wow. That was awesome. Well, it's interesting that it was opera and not pop or anything else. I mean, you went you you went to the, the big guns at that at that age. Yeah, you know, I was uh, not really a rock musician until much later. I played the flute and orchestras and band and stuff like that. And the family was pretty much oh. classical music. And um so yeah, it just came naturally to us. So when you, mu you must have read music then, right? You must have read music. Yeah. To play the flute. Wow. Yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> Although I wouldn't call my sight reading really excellent, you know, it was, it was well, good me enough. Neither. <laughs> but still, the master <laughs> sight reader is is next to you in the in the square. Yeah. Ah. Leland. Yeah, Leland. I would imagine Leland, you sight read a lot of the stuff when you. Yeah, I, 
kind of like like Ann, I, I grew up in a really eclectic musical household. My parents liked everything from Mozart to Martin Denny to you name it, big band. So the, I would sit there at the old Magnavox and listening to the hi-fi and all this music. And hi-fi, when I was yeah. five, I, 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 I fell in love with Liberace. Um, not literally, <laughs> but uh, I would watch his TV show and I was enamored with piano and we had a piano and I started studying and I, I came up as a classical pianist. Wow. Uh, and I, I really, it was stri- really strictly classical at that point. And uh, I assumed I would be a pianist. And, uh, and th- through that, uh, I was a reader from the very beginning. So uh, wow. when my career got going, um, I was open to all of the TV and movies and jingles and all that because I could read. But when I got into junior high school, when I was 12, I assumed I'd be a piano player, but they had about 50 kids that played piano. And they said, we need a string bass player. And uh, upright, out, upright, yeah, upright. They pulled wow. out an old, oh, an yeah. old, an old blonde K upright. And I put it against me, plucked one note, felt that vibration, said soul. And uh, yeah, that was it. bass at that point. When I went to high school, I was the percussion leader because I was the only one in the school that could read. Mm-hmm. I, I became the leader of the percussion thing, you know. And, uh, you know, I would yell at the guy playing the bass drum and the guy playing the kettle drum and all that. That's and, great. Uh, and I, I was a terror because when we did the uh, marching band, I was the leader of the marching band. We do the football games. And, you know, the marching band would, would be at the back of the, uh, the, uh, the field. And then the teacher would go like this, you know, like, come on, okay, march down. And I'll tell everybody, don't go yet. <laughs> <laughs> And we'd be playing the, you know, the, the cadences, and, I, and, and he'd go, "Come on!" And I go, "No, don't go yet." You know? I was just a ball buster. You know? oh, that's <laughs> and, and then finally, that <laughs> finally, we, I'd say, "Okay, now go." And you know, by then the teacher was going out of his mind. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. See, so being a my experience, being a bass player, the marching band for me, there was nothing for me to do, so I was the drum major. Yeah, I knew how to do the. Hold on, I could see, I could see, Anne being the drum manager, but not you. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, Anne, you, you talk about never... your, cla- you both talk about your classical uh, uh, beginnings. Uh, um, if, if there was an opera that you could have actually performed, unless you have, and I couldn't find that, but if there was an opera that you could, would it be Traviata? Would it be? I mean, what would you do a Puccini? Would you do an actual full opera? I'd probably do Puccini, you know, just because it's the most accessible <laughs> and uh, it's just got great melodies and songs, you know, and, and it's just more of the people, I think. God, I would uh, love to see you in a Puccini opera. My goodness. Yeah. Oh, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Uh, you know, and I, and I know that, you know, obviously being, you know, a rock legend, of course, and you've always had that. Um, it seems like a, a very, uh, high propensity to Zeppelin music. And obviously one of my favorite performances is uh, the Kennedy Center Honors when you did it with Jason Bonham and that whole choir came out and you did Stairway to Heaven when they got mm-hmm. the, when the three guys, actually three, mm-hmm. four guys got the Kennedy yeah, Center Honors. Awesome. What, you know, and, and it really blew me away because obviously you freaking killed it. But, you know, I don't know that the first person 
to, you know, if, if I'm producing the show, and that's why I'm not producing the show. If I'm producing the show and we want Stairway to Heaven sung, would the first person be a female artist such as yourself? How did that all happen? Because you killed it. It was amazing. Well, uh, well, yeah, well, well, thank you. Um, I don't think that Zeppelin songs that much harp on gender. They mm -hmm. seem to be um, pretty androgynous, you know. Mm. Uh, at least enough so that I could sing it and I didn't have to change any genders around, which I hate to do, you know, right. uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's stupid, you know, but um, yeah, they, they uh, had their way with that song, boy, they cut a couple of verses out for TV and everything. So it was mm -hmm. kind of customized mm -hmm. for the, for that length of time they had. And um, so, yeah, I mean, we had also done. Yeah, there's not a lot of guys that could sing Robert Plant. Yeah, you know, yeah right. not a lot of guys that could sing Robert Plant, and it, it was easier for a female to sing a, a female such as yourself. Totally, yeah, can hit that range, you know, because really, how many guys do you know that could sing like Robert Plant used to sing? Yeah, well, and frankly, if you think about you know Anne's, uh, famous, you know, if you think about Anne's not only range but strength, because just because yeah. a female is a good vocalist, uh, you know, a great vocalist doesn't mean right. she could have hit it either. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, in retrospect, what a phenomenal selection to have you guys yeah. do that. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I spoke about that. He played up my place about a week or two weeks after that performance. And um, and he said that that you uh, and he and, and, and the family have a very unique relationship as far as the Zeppelin family. Right. Um, are you talking about Jason? Yeah, Jason Bonham. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, we had been um, doing a bunch of stuff with, with Jason. He actually came on stage with Hart for one whole tour. And wow. like we did our set, and then he would come up and we'd do like a little mini set of all Zeppelin stuff with him playing. And oh, so cool. we were real current with it at that point. And I think yeah, uh, nice. when they, like when they contacted us and said, we'd like you to come uh, into the Zeppelin tribute at the Kennedy Center honors, I thought, great, they're gonna ask us to sing rock and roll or Black mm -hmm. Dog or some rocker. So when they said it was gonna be Stairway, it gave me pause because that song is so holy. It's just, mm -hmm. you don't want to it up, you know, you just don't wanna do anything wrong because <laughs> it'd be worse than messing up the uh, national anthem or something. National anthem, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You so killed it. It was, oh, oh yeah. my gosh. It was awesome. You were just fabulous. But you're fabulous every time you open your mouth. I mean, you're yeah, really yeah. one of the great singers of the Great singers, yeah. Yeah. Wow, absolutely. thank you. That's not to live up to. I better shut up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, Actually, uh... we did something together, sort of, um, at the um, Library of Congress a couple of years ago for We Write, Write the Songs. And uh, you and Nancy came and and performed at that, and it was it was great hearing you know just acoustically you guys there. It was I was in the house band, so um, yeah, was, that of was course. a good day. Of course you were <laughs> in the house course. band. Of course. of course you were. It was number sixteen hundred and forty-eight. I think it was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, the uh, you know another thing and some of this if you don't mind I'm I'm taking some of my personal experiences I've been such a fan uh, of Heart uh, and and as of late 
because we've, we've gotten to do some things together of Ann Wilson specifically. Um, back in 2001, so just over 20 years ago, you did this thing in Grant Park, Chicago. Well, you did this tour, but I saw it at Grant Park in Chicago. And it was um, a walk down Abbey Road uh, with uh, um, uh, a bunch of people that did uh, Alan Parsons, just a whole Beatles thing. And um, and that was just another spectacular. And I got to say, there was a lot of there was a few celebrities on that. Uh, I think Todd Rudman was on it. Uh, but you 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 so stole the show. I got to say, you stole the show there. And um, did you? My question yeah. is, did you have a selection of the songs that you sang during that uh, show, or did they give you the songs? They they um, ran a big long list of all the songs they they wanted in the show, and they said you pick. You know, so. I think I picked uh, uh, maybe I'm amazed and maybe oh, Hey Jude. I can't remember what else now, but yeah, yeah that was I know fun. you sang a, a, with a couple people. You you know a couple duets or, or group numbers you sang as part of that as well. It was just uh, huh? yeah. but you you, David, you stood out. <laughs> well, yeah, and I was the only woman in the cast too, so that yeah, we, that but that's just par for the course in my career. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Um, and, and are you was, still um, living in Seattle? Are you still up there? No, I'm living in Florida now. I'm living uh, North Florida Where? by Saint. I live in Florida too. Really? Uh, are you Where South about? Florida? Uh, uh, outside West Palm. Right. Yeah. Well, are you? Uh, are we're you a bit South Florida or north? No, Saint we're Ed? by Saint Augustine. Oh, I see. Yeah. By Saint Augustine. Yeah. Yeah, I love it here. I gotta say. How about you? Yeah, it's beautiful. Like, it's real culture shock coming from Seattle. But um, I mean, I'm I'm talking about the people now. But I love the weather, <laughs> of course. You know? Oh my goodness! Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's I wonderful. I find yeah. the people down here are more friendly than uh, like. Uh, my wife had a house in Connecticut for thirty years, and she only had one neighbor that she knew. <laughs> now, here we know like so many people already. You know, it's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're quite warm and friendly um, yeah. on the surface, yeah. But if you're <laughs> if you're considered <laughs> if you're considered a Yankee, you know, then then it takes you a while to be accepted. At least up here in North Florida, right. wow. which is wow. kind of like, like the yeah, Midnight Riviera. Down here, it's more more. Um, there's a lot of people from here down here from New York and uh, New Jersey yeah. and Connecticut, <clears throat> East Coast, yeah, East Coast, more uh, liberal. More yeah, there you go. Absolutely. You know, as we go back a little bit in history, and I, I just got to ask uh, Leland, you know, back was, I think it was 72, 73 or so, you, you, one of your sessions was with the Doors. And, you know, I'm trying to imagine what a session would be like with those guys, especially with Jim. I mean, uh, was, well, it, uh, was it all together? How did, how did it happen? Jim, Jim was dead. At that point, it was the first oh, album they really? did after Jim, after Jim passed away. I think uh, it was called, ah. I think it was called Full Moon. So it was Robbie, you know, Ray and and um, uh, Jim, Jim. Uh, but <coughs> but um, at that point, Jim Morrison had passed away, and this was the very first album they did with us. But I, you know, I used to, I mean, I grew up on the Sunset Strip, and you know, saw everybody playing there, and I'd seen the Doors so many times. So it was kind of interesting to go from being an audience to suddenly being in the studio with the guys and, you know, yeah. and talking, hanging out. Um, but it was really fun. And uh, whenever I see uh, 
I was just on before we were talking about it earlier, just before the last thing before COVID hit was a thing called the rock legends cruise and Krieger mm -hmm. was on it. And we were talking about, yep. you yeah. know, doing the album. We just did, we just did uh, seven gigs with Krieger in October. With Vanilla yeah, Fudge. He's still out uh, there, man. And, uh, yeah. He's still out I, mean, there. I, I, I remember I was in, I was actually up in Michigan um, with Toto. And uh, we were checking into the hotel and we hear a banging on the window and we look over and Abe Jr.'s outside the window. And oh, awesome. so he came in and we, he said, what are you guys doing? We said, we're playing down the street tomorrow night. And he goes, well, I'm with Paul tonight. So you want to come to the show? So we went early and hung out in the dressing room. And Paul was sitting there going, look, I'm like 72 at that point. He goes, what else am I going to do? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, Good point. like you're going to retire from this, but you know, this would be your avocation if it wasn't your vocation, because mm -hmm. it's the greatest joy in life is to play music with people. And and uh, so when so I we, see Bobby and those guys out there, you know, it's you know, it's it's they have a legacy. And as long as they're ambulatory and can still do it, uh, what the hell? Get out there and do I mean, it. We now. got we got three out of four vanilla fudge guys still. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, that, nobody has that. You know, and we yeah. were going to play with Robbie at. Ron's place next month that has been yeah used. we're gonna move it yeah but you know anyway, I, uh, what about what about that story we talked about before when you saw Vanilla Fudge with Hendrix at the Hollywood Bowl? oh yeah well uh, I had, tell us that that's funny yeah it was <laughs> it was crazy I had signed up one summer to be an usher at the Hollywood Bowl and they didn't need me at that point so you know fine I was in high school and um then the Beatles were going to play at the Hollywood Bowl. And I was a Beatles freak. So I wrote for tickets and they said, sorry, we're sold out. Can't, you know, I was bummed and depressed about it. Hmm. But I get a, a notice in the mail going we, from the Hollywood Bowl going, we have a special event coming up and we need extra ushers. Are you available? And I ended up getting paid five bucks to be an usher at the Hollywood Bowl <laughs> for the Beatles. Um, but I stayed on for the whole summer. So I got to see the Ravi Shankar India Festival and wow. uh, Beach Boys and the Mamas and Papas and Love and Spoonful and all that. Wow. But I saw Jimi Hendrix and you guys were on the bill with Jimi Hendrix. And I was such a huge Vanilla Fudge fan. Um, and I, it it just took my breath away. You guys were so good live, man. It was yeah. just a, a Still are. Then, still are. Yeah, still yeah. are. Yeah. And, and when the, you, you know, it, Mark's hitting the, the notes. What, I mean, what, it's incredible. What I remember the most of that gig, was as you mentioned before, there's, there used to be a pool in front of the uh, yeah. stage, and people That's started weird. jumping in the pool to come <laughs> closer to the stage. And they had electric <laughs> lights in the pool, and Oop. everybody was afraid they were going to get electrocuted. Yeah, it was you insane. Know? It was it was crazy. You know? Yeah, the crazy. And, and if, if you go there now, the pool's covered up. Uh, it, it, the the vibe of it back then, because I didn't have any of the the structure inside the bowl or over yeah, so it was just a bowl it didn't have all the sound and you know and all the yeah. acoustical yeah. things which make it sound better but uh, my greatest memory of the hollywood bowl was my parents used to take me every summer to gersh one night at the bowl hmm. and we were sitting there i was probably about 12 years old and it, they were right in the middle of concerto in f and all of a sudden the orchestra stopped and they all walked to the front of the stage and we all looked up and sputnik flew over Whoa, and nobody, wow. like, nobody had ever, that was the first thing in, wow. in space and it was this tiny silver dot that just went over the horizon 
And wow. as soon as it disappeared, the orchestra sat down and continued playing at that point. <laughs> oh, nice. Wow. That's crazy. That, that, yeah. That's crazy, man. I tell you what, some of the things that happens here in, you know, behind the scenes that you don't ever hear, um, you know, and uh, in 2018 at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, ceremonies, you did a, such a, a wonderful tribute to Chris Cornell with Jerry Cantrell. And um, yeah, awesome. again, just, just heartbreaking, heartwarming. And um, was that something that you kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, were you asked to be a part of that? Or was it something you really, you know, asked to be a part of that? I mean, did you have a special relationship with Chris or Soundgarden? Yeah, Chris was a friend and, um, and he was also Jerry's friend. And so that was something that, that Jerry and I sort of pushed on them. You know, thank God uh, they were going to do. Yeah, they were going to do like this typical tribute, you know, to our beloved um, departed Chris. That was just a bunch of pictures and stuff like that. And we thought, nah, it needs something more to make it special. So we, yeah, we did that. Right, and we did it acoustic, which was really yeah. cool. Awesome. I've never, Chris yeah. was awesome. He was great, great singer. And that whole scene yeah, in Seattle so in that in that time was after you guys were famous, right? Many years after that, and then all of a sudden, Seattle became like the thing that mm -hmm. destroyed all of the rest of the industry. Like we the were grunge. All dinosaurs. The grunge. We all became yeah. dinosaurs at that point when when that grunge stuff came out. You know, we had you know we were unbookable at gigs because we weren't right. in Seattle and yeah. we weren't grunge. You yeah, know, it was a Nirvana thing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that time period, you know. Yeah, it was really interesting too being being there then because yeah, uh, it had always been so unhip to be from Seattle, just completely <laughs> unhip until the '90s when you had like record company guys and attorneys from from LA and New York showing up at SeaTac and changing into their plaid shirts. So they could, <laughs> and their corduroy <laughs> pants. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so they, could, they could meet with these guys and 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 try and sign them, you know. And the the grunge oh. guys was were so like they were just punks, you know, who were saying "fuck you" to everything. And right. so all of a sudden, they became a part of the machine, and it really messed with a lot of their their brains. So I felt like my one of my roles in that time was to give them a safe place, and I. My house was kind of central, so they would all show up at my house, and I'd take all the furniture out, so they could just sit on the carpet and smoke and drink and by the fireplace. Oh, man, and how cool is it that? It feels safe. That is great. And, That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, did you know like the Nirvana guys before they made it? No, no, because they weren't really from Seattle. They were from other places. Yeah, oh, most were from California, actually. Kurt was. They ended up there, but Kurt was from um, Oakwim, from Aberdeen. So, who was what fans were actually from Seattle that would sit on your on your carpet? Soundgarden, most of them. Yeah, Soundgarden, the I, Pearl Jam guys. I love Soundgarden. I love them. Yeah. When I yeah. did my Katarzus record, I I based the sound of it to be Soundgarden meets Blue Murder meets the Beatles. And we, wow. we had this special <laughs> tuning. Big meeting. We had this we, we had this special tuning that uh, my singer, guitar player, uh, writer, he tuned the guitar really strange, like Soundgarden, to get that really different 
kind of sound. And and if you listen to it today, it still sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I remember when we were doing that record, it was always listening to Soundgarden that inspired us, all the time signatures and all the crazy stuff. And I loved it. I loved yeah. it. Uh, man. Well, yeah. Most, most videos yeah. too. Yeah, most videos really suck, but I'll tell you, Black Hole Sun video is still one of yeah. the most yeah, right? pieces all stretched and the and the dope yeah. and the great pain in it and all that stuff. And and it came just in time after the eighties when everything was getting wimped out and all these yeah. bands that weren't yeah. very good were making it big and you know, and, and it was like <laughs> really right. really terrible. And because and, and because of that video, yeah. that's why you doing a black hole song acoustically was so it was even that much more cool because it was such a such a flip from the actual video. Heavy, yeah, yeah. yeah I, well, I, I, a, go ahead. A good song is a good song, you know. Like yeah. if, yeah, if uh, right. because it was so well written and everything, it could go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, you talk about good songs like that. I, you know, I love your Immortal album and. Um, and and watching you do you don't own me live was like was powerful was really powerful uh, I really I mean it really was because I'm thinking about you know what you've come to represent uh, as far as um, strength whether it's strength as a musician strength as a female strength as a professional I mean it really uh, I think did you select that song or frankly any of those songs on Immortal for from a messaging standpoint. Uh, uh, it just was, it just, I, I just was, I saw it so inspirational, that song, as you sang it. Thank you. I, I selected all the songs on that record from a messaging point of view, <laughs> every single sure. one. Like even the, the, um, the love songs are not just your typical love songs. They're, they're very pointed, you know, I guess you could say. Deep. Hey guys, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Hanging and Banging right here on Artist on Lockdown. I mean, you talk about some of the deep things you've done. I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball because, um, uh, you know, you don't hear a lot about this person, but uh, you did do something back in, I don't know, it was 95 or something. Edith Piaf, you did you did a song, uh, Jezebel, was it? Yeah, yeah, that's right, and, and, Jezebel. And and that is like talk about a curveball, but from a classical, I mean, a French classical standpoint, a lot of people don't, you know, know <laughs> of her as, as the legend that she was. I happen to be a fan, but um, what made you select that one? Oh, just the vibe of it. You know, it's, it's almost like a, like a gypsy opera song. And uh, it's, like, it's just, it's just got a lot of fire to it. And I, you know, I, as a singer, I just love, lyrics and I love the stories of songs and that song is just it may as well have been sung by Carmen Miranda or something. Uh, <laughs> I right, had a really, right. really nice um, old school. A lot of people don't even and, know who Carmen, Carmen Miranda is, you know. No. <laughs> well we do. We do. Yeah, yeah, I know we, we do. We do. <laughs> well the, the thing too is if 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 the lyric touches you, I mean the, the way to sell a song is to believe the song and, and, and yeah. have it touch you it's one thing just to be handed a song and if you don't really care about it there's not going to be a performance i mean you can make it great because you're a, a, a good a great artist but to have something that touches your your heart and your soul yeah. then when you perform it then it's right. a whole other level because you're yeah, living just, it. I, I just texted i just emailed rod stewart yesterday because he had a new song called 
uh, it was about, I want to be with you when I wake up, you know, and he <clears throat> talks about, you know, his youth is gone and he, you know, all, and everything he's, he's done his whole life for everyone on stage and in the song. And the lyrics were so good and he's singing it, you know, with that feeling that he always gets. And I know after working with him, you know, when he yeah. writes his songs, he really, he lives in them. There's something in him it's that real. You know, yeah, and it's real. It, you it can was, feel it. I mean, you know, it's just a simple, you know, pop kind of song to play and everything with these girls dancing and everything. But I was looking at the <laughs> lyrics. And I told him, I said, you know, the lyrics are so you. They're so real. And I could tell when you're saying right. it that you really believe it. And yeah. and you know, and I, I felt the same way. You know, like because my my whole life I've been, you know, since I'm 20 years old I've been famous. You know. And like on stage and in songs and playing all through my career. And and when I heard him sing that, I said, wow, you know, I related to it and it was awesome. So yeah, the lyrics be, are so important, you know. Yeah. And being there in the song, that's that's what makes it so hard, especially if you're on yeah. tour. Yeah. And I know you know what I'm talking about because it's night after night after night, you know. Yeah. But but I have this bar that I set really high where I just want to have it be authentic and real every single time and be there or else I'm I'm a fraud so yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to live up to that sometimes. it is wait well, you yeah, talk about being uh, oh do we lose Leland what's the last Leland for a second yeah, we'll, right. yeah, where'd he go? we'll get we'll get back he said screw this I'm done with these people <laughs> um, <laughs> he went to get his lips you know. yes yes <laughs> And and did, you see, did, you see, did you see his lips? And yeah, I did. Really yeah. <laughs> lips. Like, you know, I recently saw all, um, before the show started. We said you got to open I up. Know, like I yeah, I thought. And um, I recently saw. Wow, those are real for a second. <laughs> I know it, they kind of look. They're weird, but they do kind of look real. It's got yeah. this weird uh, Billy right Gibbons you can't after see a his fight lips with the mustache and everything, the beard. You can't see in the mouth at all. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> one big blob of hair and a little face in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I recently right. saw a, a collaboration, if you want to call it that, of uh, Dreams with Alison Krauss, which uh, you know she hit it out of the park with that as well, and have a voice like that, and have a voice like yours on the same stage. Um, how did that come to be, and how was that song specifically selected, for, or did Allison come in and ask to sing that song, or how did that all come to be? Well, we invited her to come and sing on it because we had been, um, let's see, Sorry had, about that. Uh, that was during the time when Raising Sand was, was just out and so mm -hmm. big, her album with Plant, and, uh, and mm -hmm. um, Nancy and I covered uh, one of the songs on there called Your Long Journey. And um, she heard it and she went, wow, that's great. You know, we got to be friends. We went and had lunch. We hung out. Um, and then we thought for that show we were doing, how cool would it be to sing Your Long Journey with Alice, with, mm -hmm. with Nancy playing um, mandolin. And, mandolin, um, yeah. It was yeah, and wow. we really hit it off with her. I mean, she's good people. She's just so real and down to earth and and smart, you know. And just and when she sings, though, um, 
it's so delicate. It's so just fragile and delicate and perfect that it was really hard for her to accustom herself to being on stage with a rock band using in-ears and all that and the noise of the drums and all that kind of stuff when she was up there doing these dreams. It was very hard for her because she sings like such a delicate angel. Yeah. But, but boy, I tell you, it, it worked. I mean, it wait, worked. Wait, 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 I hear you say the noise of drums. Yeah, it's noise. That's <laughs> noise. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Vinny. Yeah, I heard that. Yep. Her, her, her brother's one of my favorite bass players, too. Victor's just a monster. Uh, yeah. He's he's an incredible musician. Yeah, well, she, Leland, you know, we, she oh, go ahead, out, Ann. I'm sorry. She turns out to be like like a gal you could have a beer with, you know. Yeah. A beer. She seems that way. <laughs> yeah. She seems that way. I would have loved to have been at that the next table over with the, you guys at lunch. That must have been so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and she brought one of her friends with her from the Cox family. Um, uh, big, like, you know, Americana royalty in that town. And it was, it was very interesting. It was like uh, rock and Americana and country and all at the same table. Music. Mm -hmm. Music, yeah. history of music. Mm -hmm. You know, we touched on songs that were that were touching you uh, guys, and how you how you got to really understand uh, or, or feel the music. Um, Leland, I got to throw it at you because I don't <clears> even know <throat> if there's a, a possible answer to this question. But you, again, we as we said at the top of the show, twenty five hundred. You played on twenty five hundred plus songs, two thousand albums. But it, like, wow. if there was one song that touched you as you're playing in this session, like, wow, this is really, really deep. Can you think of one that would was something that really touched you? Uh, I'll tell you one of the, one of the most incredible songs uh, to me uh, was when we did James Taylor's Mill Worker. Um, how he got into the headspace of a woman working in a in a place making shoes. Um, in it and oh. and his his writing for me was always you know pretty astounding i mean i spent 20 years with him and uh it was uh so many of those songs you just kind of sit there and you just go how can you be such a putz and have this incredible depth of <laughs> these greats um oh, but that was great but i mean for me the, the the real gift that i've been given was being able to work in every genre so there's yeah. been, you know, things everywhere. Because if I look back at songs that really meant something to me, still one of the, my favorite albums I ever worked on was Spectrum with Billy Cobham. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. That's the album that I sat with Jeff Beck when we were riding around. Yeah. At the BBA days, I would play Spectrum and Ma Vishnu Orchestra, yeah. which got Jeff in the headspace of Blow by Blow. Yeah. And originally, I was on Blow by Blow with him. Uh, but we couldn't work it out, you know, and, you know, yeah. I just love that. Yeah, you know, he, he I, I knew Billy from when he played with Dreams. Yeah, I knew oh, him. Right? Those and days, we, yeah. we, we'd play with him with Vanilla Fudge, and that's when I met him. Yeah. And when he came out with that, with the Ma Vishnu, I was just like blown oh, away. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, that's crazy. The 9 8 thing, uh, Inner Mounting Flame, uh, was it in? Uh, yeah, Inner Mounting in, Flame. Yeah. Uh, Inner Mounting Flame, the 9 8 track, just. Yeah. Oh, no, the stuff was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. He's amazing. And what a beautiful man. 
Yeah. Really but every, oh, time, yeah. every time I see Jeff, he runs up to me and goes, Stratus, Stratus. Stratus. <laughs> yeah. Right. About yeah. It. But because you know, I knew Tommy Bull and I was in a band in the late 60s called Wolfgang out here in L.A. And it was when Tommy was in Zephyr and we were managed by the same criminal. I, I know Tommy from out, Cactus and Zephyr. Yeah, so we would be out together and stuff. And yeah. so it was it was a treatment when I and we did that whole album in two days. It's one take of each song. Yeah. You know, what's really funny, too, is that Stratus was like, and people would say that that was the first fast double bass drum groove, but it wasn't. Mm. Parchment Farm was. which was Cactus, 1970. And, no. and you know, I've mm. seen, like, on different interviews, people years talking ago. about it, saying Stratus was the first double bass drum. No. And somebody else said, no, no it wasn't. I, it, was, it was Parchment Farm. But I think Louis Belson was the first guy to do oh. double kick drums. Oh, without yeah. a doubt, without yeah, a doubt. But he didn't do, he didn't do a rock. Uh, yeah, not a rock. You know, and that's where Alex Van Halen told me they it was the template for their hot for teacher. Yeah, because you know, they were big Cactus fans. Yeah. Matter of fact, when I put Vanilla Fudge together, I was talking to Eddie on the phone. He goes, "Hey, screw Vanilla Fudge, put Cactus back together." <laughs> <laughs> And we did. Hey, before I know, Ann's got a couple minutes was, left with us, guys. Dead. The singer was dead at the time, so we couldn't. Oh, that's do nice. Thing. <laughs> um, I did want to cover one other thing. I know Ann's got a couple minutes left with us, um, but uh, uh, you know, we were talking about Allison Krauss a little bit earlier and just how that worked. And 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 it's interesting that you brought up the delicacy of her voice, but how it had to, um, uh, you know, uh, conform to that situation that's probably not as, uh, of course you did sing with Robert Plant, but the point here is that, uh, uh, is there somebody in history, maybe Edith, but someone in history that you would also have, would have loved to have on stage with you to do that kind of a thing? Wow. Um, Tough one, I know. <laughs> well, Joni, I mean, um, Judy Garland. Oh. I mean, to me, she Whoa. was just it. Uh, she, so what she would that song be? What would that song that you would I mean, say, Judy, can we sing? Judy, Judy. Um, <laughs> God, it could be anything. It, it could be over the rainbow, you know, just oh, it wouldn't have to that. be rock. Wooly yeah. Bully. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Wooly Bully. Amazing. Something, a, a question I haven't asked in a while, guys, if you remember, but I want to ask this of Anne and Leland because you, you both have, have done so much and been been with so many people and so many, you know, uh, if, if you had to, you know, God forbid, wherever you were, the uh, your, your, it was on fire, whatever it was, the house, and you had to grab some piece of memorabilia or something that was given to you by somebody, what would be, can you can you tell me what that piece of memorabilia or that gift would be? That you'd grab on the way out. Well, I had a friend who did mm -hmm. um, who did backstage catering during the late seventies and eighties, and she catered the Wings show, the Paul McCartney and Wings show in Seattle. And she <clears throat> she knew I was a McCartney fan then. And after they had played and left, she went in the dressing room and and got his bottle of his half drunk bottle of scotch and gave it to me. It was Johnny Walker black. And uh, I, st I still have it. I think I would grab that. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. That's, That's cool. Great. That's really cool. How about you? For an emergency. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
you know, break an emergency. Um, first, you grab the wife and the dogs and get them out. And then I would probably sure. grab, I would probably grab my old Frankenstein base. You know, I knew I knew you were going to grab a base. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also because that base has so much meaning to me because it's got everybody from Jeff Picaro to John Entwistle to BB King on it. I mean, I've got it's got hundreds of signatures on it. So it's oh wow, oh, really wow, an emotional. It's an oh, emotional cool. base. So I probably, and are you going to be uh, uh, supporting Fierce Bliss uh, live? Yes, in fact, we've already started. Um, we played at Mardi Gras. Uh, last week and um, yeah we're going out to the west coast and into Mexico and stuff in April to start Great. Canada you know there's, there's a Christian artist named Ann Wilson did you know that I did not know that but yeah, yeah her name has, I, has an E on it yeah, yeah but, it, but when they announce it like on a Christian radio station they say Ann, Ann Wilson and I, and I went wow Ann Wilson? I wonder yeah, if it's well, the same Ann Wilson. Now. That's not me. And there's also Ann Wilson, the golf. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah well, there's only one that Ann, counts, frankly. Yeah, this I is know. One, one Ann Wilson. Yeah, there you go. Hey, well, you know what, Ron? You never, you never asked me and Vinny that question. What would we run out with? Well, all right. Well, what what would you run well, out with? Well, let's forget it for another one. Because <laughs> then why bring it up, you freaking... Listen, Ed, we want. We know you got to run. Thank you so yeah. much for joining us. It was an honor yeah. to have you here. And uh, God bless you and, and yeah, your family see you on the road. road. Yeah. That's going to be yeah. great. Yeah. I'm, uh, Thank you for having me. Can't wait to have you back here. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Good to, hang, Thank good you, to hang with you. Good to hang with you. See you have soon. Have a great tour. Yeah, good to see you, too. Ciao. Okay, bye. We'll see you again. Okay. Thank you all. Bye, Thank bye. You, man. How cool is that, boy? I tell you uh, what. Cool. Now we get back to the real lips here. <laughs> we still need red lips. Yeah, yeah she oh. saw you. She saw you with the lips when you yeah. when you when you went off. Asked her, she saw you with the lips. She said, yeah, she threatened to leave. She said, "What yeah. is this Halloween?" Uh, uh, and I got you know somebody uh, asked me to ask you when they they saw that I, uh, one of my employees. They said. And I'm sure you get asked this all the time, Leland, but the beard thing. What What's beard? the evolution of the beard thing? Is this <laughs> something you just haven't shaven since you're 14 ever? Or how does this work? Well, almost. Actually, it was born. They grabbed it and pulled, and I was stuck to it when they pulled me out. <laughs> all right. I believe it. I believe you know, back, it. Back when I was in, in high school, back in the uh, mid-60s, it was one of those things, uh, at least out here in L.A., it was incredibly repressive. I mean, they had grooming guards, you know, they in public schools, you had to follow certain rules and all that. And it was kind of one of those things I was lucky having coming from. I mean, this is what breaks my heart. My father's side of the family is from Odessa. So I feel this connection to Ukraine and what the hell's going on there. And my mother's side was from Poland. So I've got that kind of DNA in me. So when I started sort of shaving when I was about 12, Mildly. Wow. But the thing that was great was every summer at that point, I would grow a like an iron jaw or something like that. So I could go play adult clubs in the summer and not mm -hmm. get carded or, you know, so I was playing, you know, jazz clubs like the the, the lighthouse out here and, uh, and all kinds of stuff. Um, but when I got my high school diploma, I just said, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and kind of let it let it go. And it's it just, you know, it's just. Wow. Uh, it, it's how many years has it been since you actually well, since I, 
the last time I saw my upper lip, I was 17. <laughs> wow. Are you sure you still have one? I have no idea. Sure. Well, he's got spares. He's got spares. Does it get in the way of eating? Oh, yeah. In the way of eating and like, you know, stuff on it. I got it. I got it down to a science, you know. Because it's like a napkin, too, on your shoulder, you know, your chest. I'll tell you one of the funniest things was I was involved with an organization called Canine Companions for Independence that raises and places service dogs. And so when we would have our big annual fundraiser, I was contacting everybody I knew to make donations. So I was getting like Cheryl Crow sent a guitar, Willie Nelson sent a guitar. I got Billy Gibbons to send a guitar, um, all, all kinds of stuff. Well, okay. I, I wanted a picture from each one of them signed that I could put with the instrument while the, for the auction. And Billy was uh, on the road in Europe at the time. And he had gotten a guitar to me, but I, he couldn't get a picture to me. So I just went online and I and I pulled up Billy Gibbons and there was, you know, all kinds of photos. So I just downloaded one and, and printed it. Well, when I was looking at his stuff there, I saw, uh, when I was had Googled up, there was a, um, an article about Dusty Hill. And I thought, well, let's see what, see what Dusty's up to. So I pull this article up and I'm reading this whole article about him and all that. And as I scroll down, there's a picture on it. And it was me. Oh, wow. <laughs> I did a screenshot and sent it to Billy. And there wasn't, there wasn't a front big enough for the laugh he sent back to me. But it was just so weird. You know, to, did, did people ever come up to you thinking you're Billy? Oh, yeah. I would, I, you get you know, ZZ Topper, Oak Ridge Boys. Oh, or, Oak Ridge Boys. Oh, my God. You know, all, that, all that stuff. But, you know, it's, it's just sort of became a, uh, just a signature. At that point, that, yeah, that picture. Can you imagine how many how many people go up to Billy and say Leland. Uh, <laughs> yeah, picture we have up of you. It's pretty wild with the beard flying. That's a yeah. great yeah. shot. That was on, yeah. a, on a when I was out with Toto on the. I think the first time I was out with Toto because I think right. it's Simon's kit behind me. On oh that. right, right, right. That's a good way to show. You know, you, obviously you're out with Toto as you mentioned. Uh, how much time did you spend with the Bee Gees? Um, you know, that is the biggest mistake that that's on the Internet is I well, never I find nothing. <laughs> no, I never, ever worked with the Bee Gees. Oh, yet. come on. There it's you not, go. It's okay. it's on my, but it's on Wikipedia. And I've yeah. and I've gone. I keep trying to, like, get this stuff removed. That's wrong because there's enough right that I'd like to oh, work yeah. with not dealing yeah. with the wrong stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, yes, yeah, so I mean, people always say, "So, what did you do with the beaches?" And I go, "Nothing, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing." Oh, weird. Well, let's talk about somebody you did do something with. Yeah. I saw a performance uh, that you were as much a part of the performance as as the other two uh, with Carol King and James Taylor on stage together. Yeah. Um, what a, what a great night! Was it just a one time? No, we were. That was one of the biggest tours. Well. <laughs> there's two there's two elements of that that whole troubadour reunion tour started at the troubadour club in hollywood wow. um, they were celebrating their um i think it was the 50th anniversary of the troubadour and mm. one of the things was the very first gigs we ever did with james taylor was at the troubadour and the band was danny korchmar russ kunkel myself and carol king was our piano player Wow. And, um, and she was just a piano player at the time. She was just the piano player wow. in the band at that point. And um, James would got to the point where we were out. We were out for like a month on the road, but it started at the Troubadour. And we were finally saying, 
you know, you've had an amazing career that nobody knows about. They know of Goffin and King if they're looking at the locomotion and all these incredible songs, but they don't know that that's you sitting on stage that did this. So we got her to um, start doing some of her songs uh, in the show. And uh, out of that, she ended up getting a record deal with Ode Records with Lou Adler and goes in the studio and cuts Tapestry. So you know, now wow. you, got, you got a side person in the band who's got the biggest record in the world right now. So, <laughs> so, but what happened was to celebrate that 50th anniversary, they decided to put the original band back together with James Carroll, me, Cooch, and, and Russ. And we wow. did a week at the Troubadour. It was so successful that we decided uh, that was in 2007. In 2010, uh, we went on the road and that was the thing that was on CNN uh, that was just been airing. And that was a uh, huge, we played all over the States with that. We played Japan, Australia, New Zealand. Then we were supposed to play Europe. Uh, we got a great European offer, but Carol was working on a book and stuff and decided not to do it. So that ended it, but it was a real interesting um, tour to do because we were out for months on that. But how, you're kind of going, okay, we started this whole thing at the Troubadour, which is an intimate little club of, I don't yeah. know, 600 people or whatever. Not, not even, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably not that much. And um, all of a sudden, we were going to be going out on the road playing like Madison Square Garden and you know all, <laughs> all those venues. And we were going, how do you keep that intimacy of a club when you're playing in an arena? And what we ended up doing was building, uh, the, the, doing it in the round with a round stage that turned in the nice. center of the arena. And we yeah. built a nightclub around that mm -hmm. stage. It and looked so cool. Oh, it was great. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, but it was one of the most cathartic tours I've ever been on. When you'd be up there playing and you'd look down and you'd see like three generations of a family all kumbaya, you know, they're yeah, like right. holding yeah. it, singing. You got a friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was so deep. I mean, we would look at each other sometimes, but like sometimes Cooch and I would look at each other, Danny Korchmar, and we'd look at it and go, God, they're all so old. And we'd look at each other and go, so are we, you know, you know, it's a, a half a century later, you know, that we were doing the exact same band and every, and, and there's that old adage that you can't go home, but we actually got to go home and it was great. I mean, we had yeah, such a good time on that tour. Hey, speaking of book, then I read the, that you had a, a book with people giving you the finger. Well, the Everybody <laughs> Loves Me title is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody Loves Me. And uh, hey, we get to see the mirror. <laughs> I actually have it it's sitting for me. Everybody Loves That's Me. Funny. Okay. So we're expecting a certain kind of a book. What actually kind of so a book is, is it? Stories in there, or is it just all pictures? It's all, all hold on one sec here. I'll, Get a good one. <laughs> well, here's here's a here's a good one. No, oh, right on. Oh, right on, <laughs> Charlie. Oh, that's Charlie. Awesome. You know, uh, I mean, it's it's a massive book. It's it's six thousand. That's so hard to. Wow, six thousand what? Six thousand pages. Pictures. Photos, not pages. It'd be the oh, Bible. Oh my God. Look Dude, out. that's unbelievable. That is really unbelievable. So you How literally traveled the country. Huh? How long did it take you to do all that? Um, I've been taking the pictures 
Oh, there's Cheryl Crow. <laughs> there, there's there's Burt Bacharach oh, and Hell wow. David. Oh my God. And there's, there's Julian Lennon. John, uh, Lennon, uh, yeah. Wow. It's, I start, it, it started as an accident. Um, when we were out with Phil Collins in 2004 doing the first final mm -hmm. farewell mm -hmm. tour, there was talk that Phil was going to retire at the end of the tour. And I thought, Jesus, you know, I mean, I, I've been on the road with all the, so many of these crew guys and stuff for so many years. But if we're not touring, they live all over the world. So we don't and get to see each yeah, other. So I thought, yeah. I'm going to take just pictures of everybody and, and make a little folder just for my memory book so that I can, as, as long as I have a memory, I can enjoy it. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I had a bass tech named Steve Winstead. His nickname was Chenner. And um, when he came on the tour, I, I never had techs for the most part. I always did all my own gear and stuff on the road. Wow. And, wow. and I think he came in like having just come off the road with like a bass player who had 10 basses and wanted new strings every night and all this shit. So he's going, what do you need? What do you need? And I'm going, nothing. I don't know. Just, I guess, <laughs> have the amp on stage, make sure it goes on, I guess. Yeah, like Tim. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so we had kind of a running joke and we were out for like a year uh, together. So we had this kind of running joke. Like, so he became like the go-to guy for like the singers and helping drums, percussion, everything he was helping. Well, the first guy I walk up to to get a picture is him working at his laptop. And I go, hey, Chinner, give me a smile. And he's typing away and he just goes. <laughs> and I look at the picture and I went, ah, this is really pretty good. So I went and I got, I got Phil and Tony Smith, his manager. I got everybody in the band, <laughs> the crew, bus drivers, truck wow, drivers, great. caterers. Ended up with about 150 pictures and, wow. and, put, it, and put it away. Um, and then a couple of years later, when I went out with Toto for the first time, I decided to get some more pictures. After that, it took on a life of its own. Yeah. Heard about it. I would go to like the NAM show and everybody's running up to me, giving me the finger. Uh, and, and so at this point, I, I mean, I've got about 6,000 pictures in the book, but we, we hone that down. I have about 13,000. Wow. Um, and it's everybody from uh, Lawrence Fishburne to John Goodman to, Jeff Beck's in there, uh, Rhonda Smith, all the all the people wow. from that camp. Um, but it's also the, I, I, I did not make this about like, here's the celebrity section. Now, here's this. Mm -hmm. um, there's a caterer. There will be a big there will be a big picture of somebody I met at an airport. And then Jay Leno's picture is small. Mm -hmm. You know, it's humanity. Huh. And did you ever think uh, of those 13,000 pictures? How many? actually meant it oh, i'm hoping all of them did <laughs> I mean, why bother if you can't be serious about it it's real funny you'd go up to somebody and you go come on flip me off and they go what do you mean i go come on man flip me off and they go come on, yeah. asshole. but but you get the whole you get the whole gamut of people that are digging in deep to people that are like hiding behind their hands and you know it's it's but it's a real study in um humanity my well, i'll show i'll show you let me try to find this this is a great shot I had done these three guys individually um, over the years, but I managed to, to get them all together, which was really a... How do you find it in a book of 6,000? Um, and there's no page number, so I'm just scrolling wow. through. <laughs> so you don't have like an index if you're looking for Phil Collins as on no, page 87? No, table of contents. Oh, my God. Oh, that's great. That's well, cool. first, off, first off, here's 
find it. There's my, my parents. God damn it. Here's my parents. Wow. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but I did, uh, we did the Grammys uh, a few years back and did it, did it with, um, uh, uh, it, it, I'll just show you. It's Merle Haggard, Christofferson, and Willie Nelson. <laughs> God, look at That's this. Awesome. Yeah, you know, there's Chris. I have, oh each, I have each of them individually from that when I was awesome. But we did the show with them as the Highwaymen, and uh, oh, so sure. I grabbed them all together. But it's it's one of these books that as people um, get it, and they're, they're just going, I can't put it down. It's so much fun just to keep and trying to discover. I mean, finding people like Art Garfunkel in there who doesn't really look arty in it. So you're yeah, right. right. Garfunkel, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a real fun, fun thing. That's uh, great. That's you know, like Leland, I got to ask you with all the people who again. It, who, wait, 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 who put it together? Um, I did it. I mean, this is self-published. It's, it's basically me. I have a friend who I met who lives out in this area um, named uh, Richard Tremarchi. His nickname's Blue. And he has a company um, called um, Artworks. And he and I ended up working on this thing, just going through pictures. And then he assembles wow. books. But, you know, like you open a normal book and like the, op the, the behind the front page and the first cover, everything's white in them. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. took it's all pictures. As soon as you open it, <laughs> it's fabulous. Oh, and, that and, is awesome. And the thing that's fun is when you come to the very first first page. Ah, <laughs> that's oh, how cool. Oh. You, that one. Are, you, are you actually in there? Do you like this a final picture? You giving the finger? Uh, well, I, I'm in a couple of shots, but really? I'll tell you, here's. <laughs> to me, this was one of the most important pictures in the book for me. Um, this was my junior high school music teacher who turned me on to bass. <laughs> well, you stole his mustache. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I re reconnected with him shortly before he passed away, and uh, wow. I, I grabbed him at that and yeah, said, come on. Awesome. And, uh, but it's, it's one of these things that you go through there, and you, you find there's themes in it, like all people with cameras in it. So I've like, right, right. And, and like, I've got one page that's got um, Lou Adler on one side and Jack Nicholson on the other. And so, but, but those two guys sit together at the Lakers game. So the two pages are the Lakers colors with those guys. Oh, so we've got cool. like a little tiny yeah, inside. Nice. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. But I've, I've yeah. done it all, I, I ship them all myself. I do all the orders myself. It's well, been, I'm ordering as soon as we get off this. I'm ordering because that's well, got to be something. I'm going to email you and get your phone number. So, uh, well, we it, let me just shoot, shoot, I'll shoot it out at you right now. Here, um, it, it, I had to create a website for it, and I was just going to get like lelandsklar.com or Lee. Everything's been bought, you know. So, yeah, you know, screw it. rather than pay somebody for my name, uh, you go to Leland Sklar's beard. Dot com. <laughs> and I also oh, had, and I've also got t-shirts with my beard on the front of them. I saw and that. I it's really awesome. That I got those really funny. pictures of them with their t-shirts on. And I've got my artwork in there because I was a graphic artist. Yes. Oh, all you, all kinds of shit. I'm, you know, I turn into a, a, a kind of a cottage industry unbeknownst to myself. And uh, I love your uh, I, I love your payday rendition. 
Oh, thanks, man. That's that. That was one of the more popular drawings. I'll show you a great drawing here. This is one of my favorites. <laughs> you show a picture of a payday bar. Really interesting with the oh, wrapper. Uh, and... A picture of a what? Payday. You know the candy bar? Oh, payday! Oh my God. Here's here's one of the pictures that that this is a pencil drawing. Oh, that's cool. The jazz guys. Oh, yep. oh man. Holy beautiful. shit. Wow. Wow. Well, I love how you, because you, you've achieved, I mean, there's expression on their face yeah. that, that you could feel. Yeah. I, when I was in college, I was, you know, I, I was really more studying to be like a, a technical or a medical illustrator. And I just was, I was, was in bands. I never thought I'd have a career in music. And, um, and, you know, it just, it happened by accident. I was in, in this band I mentioned earlier, Wolfgang. And our drummer, Bugs Pemberton, was an English drummer who was was in Jackie Lomax and The Undertakers in England. Oh, Jackie Lomax. Oh, yeah. my God. Wow. And um, so we, uh, we, he had a friend named John Fishbeck who owned Crystal Recording Studio, who did all the early Stevie Wonder records, you know, Songs in the Key of Life and all that. Mm -hmm. And John would come and hang out at our rehearsals with us because we had a house that we rented and that the band rehearsed in. And at one of the rehearsals, he brought a friend of his who had just gotten back from England, an old childhood friend, and it was James Taylor. Oh, yeah. wow. And he hung out with us for a couple of days, and that was it. And then when James got the opportunity wow. to play the troubadour, um, he remembered mm -hmm. me from this rehearsal. And they wow. and Peter Asher, they tracked me. So forever. that's what started your career, playing yeah. James Taylor. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's really something. Yeah. If I ordered, uh, if, if we ordered one of the uh, one of your pieces of art, do you personally autograph it? No, they're they're limited edition, so I sign it and number it. Uh, oh, there's, okay. there's a very specific amount available. With the payday, there's a hundred. There's a hundred fifty. They're like museum quality prints on it. I got one last question, Leland, before yeah. we we head out of the hanging and banging section here. So obviously, you've you've worked with literally literally countless individuals, um, legendary and otherwise. Um, Otherwise, and, mostly. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> and you've gotten, you received so many awards. But let's say there was the top lifetime achievement award, or whatever that would be, some some big deal. Living or, or or not living, or halfway in between, who would be the one that you would select to to, to give that to you, to present that to you? Wow. Um. I would probably say Liberace because that's what got me thinking about music in the first place. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that cool. funny? It would be, I mean, he had such a wonderful TV show. Yeah. In, yeah. I remember it. Yeah. I mean, we all do. He had this candelabra. George, George, the candelabra, George. right. The candelabra. Yeah. yeah George, George would come out and play violin and so, but yeah. I would watch yeah. it with my parents and I was completely enamored with it, you know? So, but there, there's there's so many people, you know, that I've been, you know, respectful of. You know, I, I'm not in awe of people as much. Occasionally, I'll work on a project where I'm kind of like really taken aback. I did two albums with Andy Griffith, and That's sitting awesome. in the, sitting in the studio with Andy Griffith, <laughs> I, I was freaking out, you know, just because here's my whole childhood, you know, watching Andy, you know, yeah. And, not only that, but from Onion Head and Face in the Crowd and No Time for yeah. Sergeant. And the funniest thing he said in the studio was he had still had all this beautiful, thick white hair. And he looked over and he went, who would have thought I'd have all this hair and Opie would be bald? <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's excellent. 
And I said, I'll tell was- you what, you know, if somebody asked me if the great uh, quote unquote rock and roll bassist Leland Sklar, who is legends and icons, would be, and and his two top was Liberace and Andy Griffith, I'd probably lose that bet. Um, <laughs> I really would. But Leland, on behalf of all of us here on Hang awesome, Banging. Yeah. <laughs> and I uh, want to thank you so much for uh, honoring us. Honest to God, honoring us by being on the show. Hopefully you'll come awesome, back dude. and talk to us. We wish I, you the best uh, on, on the air. I would I mean, love road, to, I would love to come back and I'd love to come back at some chance and, and, and talk to you about the band with Waddy and Cooch and Russ. And yeah. Steve, I wish you good Waddy and you again. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would love it. That would be great. Well, once again, yeah. thank you. I'll, I'll, Thanks be, I'll to... be personally emailing you to get your number so we can. Okay, no, let's stay in touch. Some man. Files, send you some files. I would love it. No, I, awesome. I would absolutely love it. It's so good to see you, man. It, it's, yeah, you it's too, man. Too long. It's been a long but this time. is great. And Anne, Jesus. She's yeah. yeah, I know. So right? good. So it looks great. She yeah. looks great. She looks yeah. great. She sounds very inspired. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I'm glad to have her on there. So yeah, this hey, you, guys, you have a great. Time. I gotta go. I gotta go to BJ's. So <laughs> I don't know what that is, and I'm not gonna ask, it's ladies and like gentlemen. Hospital. Once again, like it is another edition of hanging and banging here with uh, again. I mean, some of these guys hate when I use the word legends and icons because they equate it to old, but it's it's honest to goodness truth. When you got Leland Sklar and Wilson. Vinny Apice and Carmine Apice all on the same show as we do each week here on Hanging and Banging. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on our Spotify, our podcast, iHeartRadio, and make sure you like us and share and let everybody know what a cool experience Hanging and Banging is each Thursday night, 6 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock on the West Coast, and 7 p.m. on the East Coast. Until next Thursday, stay cool, stay rocking, and stay Hanging and Banging. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 